0: Hello, and welcome to Founded's Nonprofit Coffee Talk podcast. Today, we are privileged to have Diane H. Leonard, GPC STSI, as our guest, and we are talking about what Agile looks like in nonprofit organizations. Diane is credentialed by the Agile Education Program, powered by Scrum, Inc. as a Scrum trainer, Scrum master, and product owner. Diane is also a grant professional certified GPC and approved trainer. Of the Grant Professionals Association. So as you can tell, even from just that little bit, she brings a wealth of knowledge and experience to this topic. And we so appreciate you joining us today.
1: Oh, it is my pleasure. And I have a big coffee cup with me ready for our coffee talk conversation.
0: Awesome. Thank you. So, Diane, we've talked in the past about common reasons organizations have when they decide to implement an Agile methodology. Let's just dive right in. Can you tell our listeners what's first sparked your interest in Agile? Well, we go way back
1: in time thinking about what it was that was happening in like 2014, 2015. I know it feels like eons ago. And at that point, I'd been in business for about 10 years. And so loving all things nonprofits, all things grants, and working with uh, some different subcontractors and team members. And I'll be frank, I constantly felt like a bottleneck. I felt like everyone was waiting on me. And so what that meant was that The awesome people I was working with were waiting on me. And clients, while they didn't know that they were waiting on me, I knew that they were waiting on me, which as an Enneagram 3 really stressed me out. And so I was determined to try and figure something out. Like there has to be a different way. And so, thankfully, we were coming up on a school break, and so my spouse and I were debating about what would we listen on over a 14-hour car ride with two children under the age of 10. And what we settled on because he knows me so well was the book Scrum: The Art of Doing Twice the Work in Half the Time by the co-creator of Scrum, Dr. Jeff Sutherland. And well, I guess the rest of the story is just it is what it is, right? It's how we get to today. But so, in listening to that, usually I'm not like a huge audiobook fan, which is part of why we debate so hard. I tend to fall asleep rather quickly in the car while listening to said audiobook. I was awake for the whole time and I had pages and pages of notes. And then I listened to it again when we returned from the vacation and I thought, okay, I think there's something here. So, as I looked at it in my small team, I immediately saw how it could help us. We were right within that three to nine perfect Scrum team size. I saw all the ways it could apply. But as I got started, I also then thought, wait a second, what about all these nonprofit grant teams that we're working with? And so a few, you know, cups, cups of coffee later, some new ideas were born. So I guess that's the short ish version of what happened. <laughs> About six years ago.
0: That's awesome. And and did your, your children in the car also pick up a lot of tips from listening to the audiobook or did they have their own going on at the same time? We,
1: we had <laughs> bought some fancy uh, plug into their new Amazon kid-friendly oh. Kindles. So they had on their <laughs> fancy little headphones. But here's the funny thing. Because I know, we're, I get it. We're going to talk about Agile and nonprofits, right? And it was sparked by what I thought for my work. as a small business and with nonprofits. But since then, we've used it in the first Lego League team that we coach. And these middle school age kids tell the professionals about Agile and Scrum. We've used it throughout the pandemic in our family sprint planning. I, I think that maybe something made it through those headphones on that first car ride. They're really good at describing and understanding Agile principles. I maybe it's just that they're not jaded yet. They're not grown up, so their minds are flexible. But yeah, definitely something sunk
0: in for them too. That's awesome. That's that's great. And I could see that I got I got the book, uh, what is it, Personal Kanban or or something oh, like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, and uh utilized it for some home projects too. And that's your kids are getting such a great start. <laughs> but <laughs> I can could, I could see why you're looking for something as we you know go on our careers. There's so much to do, not wanting to be a bottleneck, and there's so many benefits of implementing Agile. Um, and as you know, here at Foundant, we've been implementing an Agile methodology too. Um, and that's pretty common in software teams. And, and the reasons why often technology teams look at Agile is because th- they find that they're they're getting so big that they're not keeping keeping up and they're having several issues with products and processes um, where they feel like they're constantly putting out fires rather than planning uh, in the future. That ne- wasn't necessarily the case, but we really felt that, hey, <laughs> our processes are working well right now for the size that we are were at that time. But But we were looking ahead at our company growth and and knowing what was coming, and we didn't feel it was sustainable with our current methods. So that's another reason to look out uh, in the future. So we wanted to also, um, as we're growing and adding more people past that perfect scrum size team, we wanted to take advantage of cross-functional collaboration and knew that our current methodology wasn't going to hold up to that. So... We are still on our journey here at Foundant, but we started with the software development, also our learning, documentation, onboarding and training team. So it's really exciting to see the the, um, different, like you said, ceremonies and and structure around the process and how it helps people see what other teams are working on very efficiently. And uh, we are still on that journey, as I said, looking to implement how can we use it in sales and marketing too? So it's very, very exciting times ahead as we continue on our journey there. But I was looking at your web page and, and seeing that your agile in nonprofit training series, and you've been working with several nonprofits, and I saw that you've trained over forty three hundred individuals since you started that. That is so exciting. Um, what are you seeing in, in terms of what the nonprofit, those individuals that are coming to your training classes and that you're working with, you know, what are they hoping to, to gain out of it? Well, it's been
1: amazing to see the wide range of different types of professionals that come in. I mean, you know that my first love is all things grants. That's why we first connected. All things grant. Grant chat, uh, grant management software, all things grants. But to have the second love here that is Agile and the Scrum framework, I really wasn't sure if those outside of the grant world were going to be as excited as I was about talking about Agile. And what's been amazing is that while, yes, many of our grant colleagues are excited to also learn about Agile or about Scrum or other project management that's under the Agile umbrella... Because let's be honest, grant professionals are project managers. It's one of the many bullets under our job descriptions. But what's been so cool is to see directors of development, uh, executive directors of funding organizations, executive directors of uh, training organizations, to see environmental organizations talking about being at scale. We are seeing an entire cross. I mean, it's just across all the mission areas, organizational sizes that you can think of that are talking and thinking about Agile and are thinking about some of the same things that I'm hearing is, I guess, common denominators between my origin story, why did I even look at this in the first place, and some of what's driving Foundant. Why are there bottlenecks in our organization? How can our teams be better? How can they work in a more sustainable way? How can we address an immediate need like, oh, I don't know, a funder calling with 48 hours notice on something yet still get all the important big plans done, right? These are things that are happening in nonprofits of all shapes and sizes. And you used the word journey to say that you're still on your journey. I believe that we'll always be on our journey, right? You, you get to pick where you start and every organization starts in a different place, maybe with a different framework or a different event, but probably the same mindset in some ways and the same principles. But it truly is a journey because any of the agile frameworks are helping you find ways to continuously improve. And while I like for maybe, you know, my family to think that sometimes I could be perfect, okay, okay. Never. That's not true. I don't know who I'm kidding. Not even myself. So close. So close. close. (laughs) You're so close. You're so close. (laughs) But, you know, even in the, like in the workspace, what are we delivering on our mission? How are we working together as a team? None of it's ever perfect. And the point of these principles, if we're looking at the Agile Manifesto, the point of the frameworks, whether we're talking about safe for scaling or scrum at scale, they're all about continuous improvement and finding the little things that we can tweak as we move along on our journey. And while I personally have never taken a martial arts class. It's one of the things that um, many of the scrum trainers talk about is like a way to think about your journey, right? And it sounds sort of like what some may have heard of in like um, Lean and Six Sigma, right? What color belt do you have? Well, I've been watching my niece and nephew go through learning karate and their passion for it and watching them progress along on their colored belts. And it, it really drove home for me that even as they're becoming like working towards having an apprenticeship in their black belt, right? they still have years and years and years. And even then, if they were a master, they'd still be learning and trying new things. And I'm like, oh, I get that analogy now. We're never done. So I don't know if that helps people or if it scares them. But I think what's interesting about those that come to training is that they are all in different spots on their journey, but trying to do. More so, create more impact with the limited resources, whatever the limitation might be—people or dollars. They're trying to come up with a different way to do it. And I'm going to channel our uh, our friends that research in burnout. They're trying to d- come up with a way to do it in a way that protects their people, those that they work with and those that they serve. How to be sustainable? Yeah. And so I, I think that's a lot of why nonprofits are looking at it. They're trying to prevent burnout. They're trying to reduce. Uh, turnover yet still deliver on their mission
0: yeah there's there's just often got to be a better way uh in in terms of as you, that example that you gave of you know a funder coming in forty eight hours notice i mean that's almost like every day to day and how do you <laughs> How do you keep on track on your, like, okay, this is what I'm going to get done in the next month. And then the next hour, it all just goes out the window, it seems, you know. So uh, I really like how this can give you guardrails, how it can really help you. That's one of the things I've enjoyed the most is is seeing what needs to be done in the mid-range as well as, okay, what does that mean for me this week? Uh, and what can people expect to see in three months You know, based on on this happening. And then you could talk about trade-offs when other things do come up. And so the one point that 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 brings out is that it it isn't so structured as some previous methodologies that, that I've been involved with in previous companies and career paths. And in terms of, okay, this is the plan, it's the plan for the next six months. And if something happens like, oh my gosh, what just happened last year and is still going on, you know, with with the pandemic and, and uh, just uh, if it isn't that, it's something else that comes up. Uh, it could be a very positive opportunity. So what is a framework that really helps you be structured but isn't too structured that you you can't adjust? And that's exactly that. So I I think the agile methodology, that's one of the benefits that I've seen. And and, uh, do the nonprofits that you're instructing, do they get that too? And that's one of the things they're seeking.
1: Well, one of the things that's funny, so you and I both use the word agile, capital A agile, and have a sense of what that might mean based on our own exposures to different frameworks. And what's the agile manifesto? What are the four values in there? a lot of the individuals or the whole teams actually, in some cases that are coming to the trainings, they just know that they're doing something that works or that there's something they want to try and they might not put the label Agile on it because to them, well, Agile is the thing that happens in software. As you said, it's something that where a lot of software teams have tried it. And so what's been interesting, I think in part, Uh, I'm all about silver linings. I love to (laughs) find my realism and my optimism and where they meet. But I think as a silver lining of the uh, pandemic is that as nonprofits have really been forced to think about, okay, we have our strategic plans. And yes, there are these great three to five year documents that give us guidance and something we're striving for. How do we handle not just the short-term funder call or community need that requires like an immediate day of response. But also, how do we handle some bigger programmatic unexpected changes, like having to go from fully in-person mental health supports to fully virtual? And then, oh, wait, now we have to figure out what hybrid is for the next period of time. How do we quickly adapt those models? And nonprofits of all shapes and sizes really embraced without knowing it, the fourth value of the agile manifesto. So in the trainings and in these conversations with the nonprofit professionals that are interested, like, okay, so let's talk about these four values. And let's look at what they are. They tell us what we value over maybe something that sounds a little more traditional, process or contracts. We, instead, we want to focus on collaboration, on uh, customer or stakeholder discussions. But it's that fourth one, responding to change over following a plan. Like, doesn't that sound like your organization the last year and a half? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, cool. So you're already agile. Congratulations, right? Like, Take the pressure <laughs> off. You're already there. Now you know what the label is. The framework you're looking at and thinking about implementing, it's really, if you have an agile mindset, so if you embrace these four values, especially that fourth one, the framework is going to help make sure that you're consistent in how you like embrace, focus on that mindset, don't get so deep in the weeds of tasks and other busy work that you forget your values, right? That's what the framework will help you do. And so I think that has been a lot of fun is to shine a light on the fact, listen, sure, maybe you want to learn a new framework, but you're already doing agile things. So you're not going to have to learn all sorts of new things. It's not as big of a change management issue as maybe you're worried about. So that's been something that's been a lot of fun. And the other is we are seeing people from all different parts of the org chart. So it's not only leadership coming. It's not only grant professionals coming. It's not only fill in any of the titles we see. Um, I know, you know, as I said, my first love is grants. So there's been a lot of work I've done to basically like pull back the curtain and show what our team has done related to grants. Um, It's, I joke it's a secret sauce. It's not really so secret when I do things like um, present for Grant Hub (laughs) and say, here is how we lay out our backlog, right? I'm like, you've got the recorded webinar about it. It's not so secret sauce. I get it. Um, But whether it's that or talking to leaders, talking about what does it mean to be an Agile leader, it's not about their title. It's about who you are as uh, an individual that's got a mindset mindset about change, con- continuous improvement. That's what's going to make you agile regardless of what team or role you're in. That's
0: that's one thing that is really good. I'm glad you emphasized that because the terminology agile, you know, oh we we need to pivot, the manifesto, the ceremonies, the different what is scrum. I'm, some of these words can oh it's just so much to learn, but like you said, really if you have that desire for continuous improvement, or you just need to improve, and and you know that there's a better way, and and uh, you're already doing most of it, you know, by and by looking to find uh, other methods and frameworks that could help. Also, I want to highlight that part you said about burnout. Um, there's so many people, especially in in, in all walks of life but in the nonprofit sector as well that are trying to do so much with a limited amount of time and that that passion always uh, seems to struggle with the work-life balance type of thing and so really having a methodology where where you can see how you could fit things in you could plan and uh, balance, you know, what you're doing with what the plan is and what needs to get done. Um, but as you mentioned, uh, keeping people happy and and keeping that balance between work and life, I think that that is so important because if you're not able to do the work because you're so exhausted or you, you know, run too far too, for too long and, and too fast, uh, it, it doesn't help anyone. So uh, no, but what's the funny <laughs> thing about it, right? So I know
1: like found that you've talked about you use safe as you're scaling since I'm a scrum trainer. I'm more in the scrum at scale framework, But you know, they're like slightly different semantics for how we embrace our agile mindsets, right? But one of the things in the scrum framework that does make me laugh, so Tammy, I know you know this, many of your listeners might not, I love to run, love, love, love to run. It is absolutely my endorphins that get me through the day, has been for decades. But one of the events in Scrum that makes me laugh, especially when I'm teaching people the framework and the vocabulary up front, a sprint. So a sprint, right? The fixed anchor of time that you're planning for working within. But what does it bring to mind for you? Physically exerting yourself in a very fast way with your legs going like roadrunner fast. And at the end, how do you feel? Out of breath, exhausted, like maybe you need to lay down on the grass and I don't know, take a nap. (laughs) I love to run. I hate to sprint unless it is the last mm, hundred feet of like a 5k or something, right? Then I'm like, all right, just a little bit, but I'm still like, that was a lot. So to me, even though it is the accepted terminology, at least in the Scrum framework, one of the things that I like to highlight, I get it. It's called a sprint It is our fixed anchor of time. But that doesn't mean what you're doing is planning so you're exhausted and need to like lay on the grass and take a nap. Rather, what you're doing is thinking about having data about the work that you do, about how much capacity you have, what you've gotten done in the past. So you're planning for a sustainable pace and how can you personally and your team Get this great, important work done. Like, what are your priorities? We don't need to do the low priority things if we've got a tight sprint. Like, let's make sure we're focusing on the real work. So I know, um, like, we keep talking about burnout. Let's call out those four colleagues who are doing the work. Jonna Rogers, Bethany Planton, Trish Bachman, and Pat Du Bois are doing amazing work specifically in the grant field about burnout. It's also about sustainable pace. And one of the books behind me on my bookshelf that if you could see me reach for it is the Happy Healthy Nonprofit by Beth Cantor and Eliza Sherman, talking about the exact same thing, sustainable pace, team happiness. How do we protect our team? How do we create these healthy environments? Um, you know, Is agile the silver bullet, the magic pill that will make for a happy team? There is no such thing. But is it a way that helps teams focus on a mindset or uh, helps teams implement a framework that might put more emphasis, not only on the work that we're doing as heart centered nonprofit professionals, but, you know, also takes our well being into account. I think those are true things. So, Yeah, I'm totally on a soapbox about team (laughs) happiness and sustainability. And maybe it's just so that I continue to listen to myself because I want to do all the things. I have all these great ideas. Our team has these amazing ideas of things we want to do. We can't do all of them right away. Just isn't possible, right? We still want to go watch the varsity swim meet, go for a walk, hang out with our friends. Like There's things that need to get done on both personal and work levels. So to have a framework that helps prioritize, say, yep, we're still going to get things done towards our mission, but we're going to do it in a way that doesn't require constant heroic efforts. I think that, I mean, okay, maybe occasionally you still have to do something a little heroic, but every once in a while, any of us are okay with a little something extra, but it can't be the constant pace.
0: Yes. Yes. Excellent, and uh, I took notes as, as you were talking. I'm going to put those in our show notes. Uh, the, our colleagues with the on that burnout, uh, I will. We've done a webinar with them in the past year. So I'm going to put the the link to that webinar. It was so helpful. And as well as the Healthy Happy Nonprofits book, I'll, I'll include those. And as you mentioned earlier, we've done a, a webinar together before on being an agile leader in your nonprofit, regardless of your title. So I'm going to put that in the show notes as well. And and uh, we've talked a little bit about what does that agile leadership mean. And, and it doesn't necessarily have to start at the top down in order to get benefits from this. And, and you mentioned the type of people that have been coming to your, your training, and it could be, you know, the development director, grant manager, all different types there. So, uh, but do you have any other resources or stories that you could pass along to our nonprofit listeners who are interested in learning more about Agile and, and maybe how they could get started? Yeah. So one
1: of the things that I think is great, so as I think about different stories and uh, ideas, it really comes down to finding inspiration in perhaps what others have done. So the thing about the frameworks, any of the Agile frameworks, is that they are completely adaptable across different types of organizational culture, different organizational focus areas. So whether you are a large organization focused on healthcare or you are a small organization delivering uh, after school STEM programming or you are a mid-sized nonprofit dealing with basic needs for an entire county it doesn't matter the frameworks can work in your organization and it's just that while well, maybe you're following what we call like so like a rule book about the framework so here's what the, what the events should be, or here's how you do this. What's really happening is your organization comes up with a playbook. So the things that make it yours, the things that match your organizational culture. How long is the period of time you're planning for? Is it one week or is it three? Maybe it's two weeks. Um, how many people are actually on your team? Is it four? Is it six? There's things about your organizations that are different And that's amazing. That's actually what makes it uh, easier to maintain in an ongoing way is that while you take the basic rules of the framework you're looking at, you're going to customize it. So here's a few little ditties from some things that we've seen to help get you started, because I don't want you to feel pressure to, A, have to pick a specific framework, or B, to feel like you have to take the entire framework and implement it all and then press like a green go button. That's not how it has to work. You want to think about something in a framework that feels similar maybe to what you already do and try that and see if it helps your organization. Do you find value in it? And then build from there. So the story is actually, this is a funder story. And so they're a nonprofit too, right? And it might be a funder that actually I think is a a mutual connection here between everybody on Coffee Talks today. But they had their office manager, from a small team, team of about six people, come and really want to learn to be a scrum master. And so like, okay, so I've I've got to learn all this language. I've got to learn about all the events. And they were feeling a little bit of pressure. And they stayed for office hours after one of the first classes. And they said, well, I, I wanted to talk to you about some of the things we already did and just kind of see how am I going to translate this? Like, how do I have to change what this is to what you're telling us? So they actually took me on a walking video tour of their office. And I end up in their copy room. Well, virtually in their copy room. And she turns the camera around. She said, okay, so take a look at this. This is our wig board. How am I going to translate that into the Scrum framework? I'm like, okay, so I can see from looking at your wall that those aren't wigs. Um, We're not talking about a hairpiece on the, nope. Like wig board, tell me what that stands for. Oh, that's our wildly important goal board. Like, okay, so tell me how you use that. Well, every week we come together and we look at the wildly important goals and we talk about what we're going to do this week towards the goals. I'm like, oh, okay, so um, you can continue to call it that because it's amazing, but you basically have a prioritized product backlog on your copy room wall. You already have part of the framework in your organization. Oh my gosh, you're right, we do. Totally took the pressure off, right? Then they could focus on, well, what would be the next part of the framework that would add value? So it's one team, one spot that they found they already were doing something that was right in line with the intent of the framework. Was talking to a different organization, and this time they were focusing on uh, a capital campaign and trying to think about how they were reflecting, what was the cadence that they were operating in? And it just, I mean, capital campaigns last forever, right? Well, or so they feel sometimes. <laughs> and so they were trying to think of how to break it into something more bite size and come up with plans that they could check in on. What does that sound like? Oh, shorter periods of time for planning. And so they focused on what were they going to commit to and how are they going to use sprints to create a different a a pulse, an organizational heartbeat around this particular team. And so that was what they focused on first in the framework. So I share those as two of the many stories to give you different examples of how nonprofits focusing on very different things – find different inspiration in the framework that matches where they are, and that's how they decide to get started. And that's what we have found is the most successful way for a nonprofit to really embrace agile, not to feel the pressure to do all the things at one time. That's a lot of pressure, but rather to think about what do they already do and what feels comfortable Maybe it's reflecting on how the team works together. Maybe it's about a retrospective. Or maybe it is a bigger organization. And so the biggest thing to think about is how across all the teams are we talking about dependencies on each other's work or impediments or barriers across each other's work? And how are we going to address those together? That might be exactly where you need to start (laughs) some sort of place a conversation where the right people are coming together to talk about impediments or those dependencies. So each organization is going to have a slightly different answer. And I think the way to figure out what might be your answer is to look to others, hear what's worked, and then riff on it, make it your own.
0: Yeah, those, I, I really appreciate you sharing those stories, because it, it brings it down to the real and, and people can see themselves in those stories. Uh, as well. Do you have more of those stories and videos on your website? Oh, you you know we do. We do. Um,
1: Because part of what we're trying to do at Agile and Nonprofits is help nonprofits see how could we create twice the impact in half the time. So what that means for us is that we've uh, created video series where we interview nonprofit professionals who have done the work had very different playbooks and are willing to share. So it's a small, you know, segment of what we've seen, but there's some really great varied examples, both in video and then blog posts um, for folks to find inspiration from. We're thrilled uh, to have then had the chance to partner with you to share stories as well. And I think that is a a great way for folks to do some bite-sized learning and find some inspiration Without having to worry about, am I translating from for profit to nonprofit? It's a lot to learn Scrum and Agile or Safe or Scrum at Scale on your own. If you're worried about translating from industry types, sometimes that can put a little extra pressure on it. So, trying to find great other nonprofit type organizations for you to find inspiration from, that's really been our focus.
0: Yeah. And that is, that's the first hurdle too. I mean, you, you, the light bulbs may be going on. You may have listened to a a book, audio book on a road trip and, and bringing it back to your organization or just getting other folks excited about it, really being able to tell those stories of how other organizations have, have used it, similar nonprofits. And, and while the missions may be different, the, you know, the end of year campaign, the capital campaign, the top goals of what they're trying to achieve is that's, that's a similar challenge across the board. So, uh, I, I really love those stories and, and we'll include a link to the ones that, that we've worked together with blog and, and that you've shared with us and found it as well as a link to your website where you have a whole library, more of them. I'm, I'm a little jealous. Um, and not jealous. Let me tell you of what I'm jealous of: all of the different challenges you get and you see in your trainings and in your your uh, web events as you talk to a, a wide variety. That must be fun. And thinking, you know, what do they already have? How? What's the next step? What? What? How can they implement this? That must be fun. Um, the thing I'm not jealous about is your personal interest in running. <laughs> <laughs> when, it, when I think about what we like, you know, me, I, whatever distance I run, I am always looking forward to the sprint because that means it's almost over, <laughs> and there's, I just got to run as hard as I can. And that takes all the, the strategy out of, okay, how long, how fast, how hard do I need to work to make it, you know, make, make it to the end. Uh, so that's, that's funny too. I, I know we have uh so many things in common, but r- running long distances—it's
1: <laughs> not—it's not one of them. But that's okay. But you know what's? Fun, whether it's short or long, well, what's one thing that often happens when you're done sprinting? You also celebrate, right? Yes. And you're like, yes. I'm done. I'm done. I'm the gonna go get am I'm gonna go get a new Yeah, yeah. Yes. yes. That's one of my favorite parts to see how teams are so different. Like, how do you celebrate when you successfully meet a a goal as a team, as an agile team? What are the things that you're doing? And also, that's a fun place for some teams to find inspiration. Wait a second. I could have like a happiness budget. I could think about how to celebrate. To watch teams rally around, like our writing team, actually, no, let's be fair all of the D.H. Leonard consulting teams have ice cream as a love language. So there's a lot of joking about ice cream for like celebration. We've done virtual ice cream parties. We had a team that was all about time, the value of time. And so the way they would celebrate, if they met their sprint goal early, they would all commit to, and this was during a time when they were all remote, but they would all commit to 30 minutes away from the camera, away from that during their workday. So they gave them the gift of time as a way to celebrate. And they could go for a walk, they could sit with their dog, they could go get coffee at their, whatever was going to work for them, but they gave them the gift of time for meeting their goal early as a way to celebrate. So I'm like, well, we may or may not both feel the same about sprinting. That's fine. But I know that we both share a love for celebration and i think that that's really cool to see as playbooks the different way teams celebrate when they meet those goals early or even meet them on time um, yeah. but that's hopefully some of what people will hear for some of those inspirational stories as well because it's not only about get the work done right. but celebrating when you get the work
0: done and and that that whole feeling of team and helping your team and if someone is behind you know, being able to see that and you're yeah. right, celebrating and, and feeling part of something bigger, even if, you know, you're not working and collaborating on the projects. And you were right. Ice cream is something we definitely, if <laughs> that is one of my areas, too, that uh, that would be a celebration time to eat ice cream. That would be great. no. <laughs> This has been really uh, great sharing all these stories. Uh, I have a long list of resources that I'm putting into the show notes. Do you have any other final thoughts or advice to leave with our listeners as they're contemplating what agile is and how it could help?
1: Yeah. So while I've been talking with you about the different ways that nonprofits are finding inspiration and trying Uh, agile and the different frameworks in their organization. The one thing that is true is that this language, what are the agile values? What does it mean to talk about the safe framework or about the scrum framework? What does that language actually mean? That's actually international language. That is not just U.S. nonprofit language. It's not just U.S. for-profit language. So what's so powerful is that you can talk to colleagues literally anywhere in the world and find inspiration and ask questions in the agile and related framework spaces. And they can be anywhere and understand exactly what you mean. So like our community of practice, we offer like free office hours and there's a free Facebook group and all these places that people can connect. And we see people talking across country lines. Somebody joined from Portugal, somebody from the UK, somebody's in from Australia, talking to folks in the US. It doesn't matter that they're in different time zones with different missions, what type of organization they're in, they can use the same Agile language and still learn and share from each other. And I think that that is so powerful. Um, so while you might feel like, oh, we're nonprofits and we're different and we have got to understand how to translate it, uh, yes and no. So my final piece of advice is as you think about what Agile means in your organization, really listen to anyone that has agile experience or experience in any of the frameworks because there's going to be a nugget of what worked for their team that might work for yours. Because regardless of the work the team is doing, we are all humans doing work in a team setting. And so that translates across field type. Excellent. I love that.
0: And, uh, well, I really appreciate all of the insights that I've gained, and, and I'm sure many of our listeners have, as we've we've been having this discussion about what agile is and, and what can be gained from it, and all the resources that you have, and 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 stories of what it looks like when you're implementing it in your nonprofit. I I so appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to join us and. Uh, You can tell I'm struggling with closing (laughs) because I just want to talk to you forever. (laughs) We're at the end of the sprint, Tammy. Let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. Let's get to to celebrate. I like that. I like that. Okay. (laughs) So we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you already got your run in. You have your cup of coffee. You've got your day started. Uh, So we wish you and all of our listeners the best success. And if you've enjoyed today's nonprofit coffee talk podcast, Please share it with others who might enjoy it or enjoy learning a little bit about Agile as well. We look forward to connecting with you in future webinars, podcasts, and in our community discussion platform, Compass, as well. Thank you. And thank you again for joining us, Diane.
1: Thank you, Tammy.